0: Myoho Renge Kyo. Myoho Renge Kyo. Myoho Renge Kyo. Hi everyone. I hope this finds you in good, good health, secure. Thank you, as always, for your support and your practice. Um. We're going to continue with the Threefold Lotus Dharma Sutra, Quantum Life Buddhism. This is the, uh, sorry, this is the hardcover version. Uh, which is a little easier for me to handle than the big book while I'm focusing on these videos and computers and whatnot. So I'm going to start reading from it. They are the same content, just in a different format. And uh, yes, as you know, I continue to revise these as I find words that I missed in the original writing of it, that need to be converted to appropriate terms. There's a lot of misguided terminology in the translations. They're just uh, cultural biases that just get infused into the Buddhist dialogue. And uh, unless you're looking for it, you're likely to miss it. However, words like saving and worshiping and faith, they impart, again, that same bias in our thinking, and they serve to confuse the Buddhist message because Buddhism isn't about that. Buddhism is about experience, life, every day, right now. It's not about some weird mystical, magical thinking, right? Wishing on a star or an afterlife or any of that. That's all, that's religious crap trap. Uh, Clap trap is what I meant to say. (laughs) That's Freudian. Anyway, so that all of that is to say that my whole endeavor this this uh channel the website uh, back that I started back in the nineties um, this entire effort is about making practice of Shakyamuni's teachings via our scholarship of our modern mentor Nietzsche as clear and unobstructed as possible so that your insights can be as clear and unobstructed as possible so that ultimately you have no obstacles in your practice, that it's clear as a bell to you, that when you're chanting, you know what you're accomplishing and you are accomplishing it, as Nietzsche would say, because of your clear, single-minded awareness, right? That's the only thing that should be in your mind, when you're chanting, reciting, right? Anyway. At that time, maitreya Bodhisattva reflected thus. Now does the world honored one display an appearance so marvelous? What is the cause and reason of this auspicious sign? He hasn't, obviously, Maitreya hasn't grasped What we've been talking about in the innumerable meanings and this introduction chapter, yet still, okay, this is a momentous, I agree, I see this is a momentous occasion and you're saying some very important stuff, but how is this different than what we already know? Duh. But anyway, we're just starting. Yeah. So, a lot of people, including myself, when we first started, at this point, didn't really know what the point was, right? So, what is the cause and reason for this auspicious sign? Now that the Buddha, the world-honored one, has entered into his contemplation and such inconceivable and unprecedented wonders appear, of whom shall I inquire? And who will be able to answer? Again, he reflected thus. Now, remember, he just... Gave everyone in the assembly, all of those innumerable, incalculable minds in the assembly, a glimpse. He opened the the eye for them, just for them to get an idea. This is the goal, not this false nirvana that you thought was the goal. That was just provisional. This is the goal. Look. And so, wow, what is that? And why now? Here is Manjushri, the son of the law king, who has been in close contact with and paid homage to former innumerable Buddhas and who must have witnessed such unprecedented signs as these. Let me now ask him. So, Maitreya asks Manjushri, then also the big shoes, big shuni, zupasaka, zupasikas, and all the heavenly beings. Um, I need to change that. It shouldn't say heavenly beings. It should say realms of influence. How did I miss that? We don't have heaven in Buddhism. See, I keep finding things. I thought I got all of that, but I guess I didn't. Dragons and other spirits reflected thus: Of whom shall we? <laughs> of whom shall we now inquire concerning this shining spiritual sign of the Buddha? Then Mayatreya, Bodhisattva, desiring to resolve his own doubts, and observing the thoughts arising in all the assembly of the four groups, the fourfold assembly, right, the bhikshus, bhikshunis. Monks and nuns, upasakas, upasikas, laymen and laywomen—all monks as well, but still in the classifications of twenty-seven hundred years ago, as well as all the uh, heavenly, the, the, the realms of influence and dragons, other spirits, so on. Inquired of Manjushri, because Shakyamuni is in deep samadhi at this moment. Yes considering, no doubt, the teaching he's about to lay down. What are the cause and reason of this auspicious and spiritual sign shedding so great a luminous ray, lighting up the 18,000 eastern lands, revealing in detail the splendor of those Buddha realms? Hmm? And I have an annotation here. It says, the emanation of the light from the Buddha's head, from the tuft of white hairs between his brows, sometimes referred to as the third eye, or from the top knot atop his head, we haven't gotten to that part yet, but we will, is a device used in these discussions on the abilities and powers of the sentient and enlightened minds to radiate perfect clarity of all realms. Remember I said, I've often said, as we enlighten our minds, we radiate the effects of that enlightenment into our environment because we're one and the same, and therefore others can sense it without knowing what it is, and that's part of what attracts them to us for further knowledge, yeah? So even that is the importance of the bodhisattva life, hmm? Going on here, said more plainly, like a flashlight in the dark attic, it is used to indicate the Buddha's penetrating perception of for all realities. In this example, Shakyamuni shares a moment of Buddhiness with the assembly to give them some inkling of the experience of Buddha, enlightenment, to be attained with proper effort and resolve in practice. Yeah. So, continuing on. Thereupon, Maitreya Bodhisattva, desiring to announce this meaning over again, inquired thus in verse, Manjushri, why does our master, from the white hair between his eyebrows, universally radiate so great a ray? The rain of Mandarava and Manjushaka flowers and fragrant breezes of sandal, or sandal, Delight our very heart, our every heart. By reason of this, all the earth is replete with splendor, with this whole world shakes in six different ways. At this moment, the four groups are all full of joy, glad in body and in mind to obtain a sign so unprecedented. The ray between his brows illuminates the eastern quarter of the 18,000 lands, coloring them all with gold. You see, this is the shift of per- perception that happens when you penetrate the moment-to-moment awareness of the engine of life, Buddha. Buddhanes. From the Avicii hell up to the summit of all existence, the dwellers in, the, in all the worlds, the living beings in their six states, the progress of those being borns and of, of the dying, their good and deluded and malicious karma and environment, their repercussions, good or deluded and malicious, I see them all from here. I see also the Buddhas, the revered masters, the lions, expounding the sutra a priori and supreme. Their voices, clear and pure, send forth softly sounding tones, teaching the bodhisattvas in numberless Myriad cotis. Their profound voices, deep and a priori, cause men to rejoice in hearing. Each in its own world, proclaiming the good law by various reasons, reasonings, and innumerable illustrations, reveals the Buddha law and opens the understanding of all creatures. There's that innumerable again. Yeah? If any have met with distress, and are weary of age, disease, and death, for these they announce nirvana, to bring to an end all distresses. Right? It's just more repetition of the Four Noble Truths, isn't it? Is it so different? Moving on. If any are in a happy estate, having paid homage to Buddhas, devoted to seeking the victorious law... For these they announce pratyaka buddhahood. What, why is the law victorious? What, do you, what are you victorious over? Your clinging and craving, your attachments. Once you overcome that constant tendencies, listening to all those monkeys, suddenly the liberation, the emancipation from that constant weariness it's phenomenal everything seems brighter right you ever take a big test in school or win something uh, get a good result in court or anything like that a sport event whatever doesn't the world seem different the grass smells different your relationships seem clearer right we're such, we're such simple creatures in a way. <laughs> it shouldn't be a great surprise for us modern intellectuals, right, or minds, that with a subtle change of our attitude, everything changes. Well, does everything really change? It's just our attitude and intent, yeah? Buddhism is about the mind attitude, and intent. So we're talking about this in big terms. Well, it is big terms. It's the experience of your life. If any Buddha sons or daughters have carried out their various duties seeking after the supreme wisdom for those they announce the pure way, Manjushri, Abiding here, I see and hear such things as these, and thousands of codas of things, these things so numerous. Let me know briefly, let me now briefly describe. I see those lands, bodhisattvas, like the sands of the Ganges, who in various degrees seek after the the way. Some, there are. Who give alms of gold, silver, coral, jewels, and and and, um, other jewels, precious gems, moonstones, agates, diamonds, and uh, and precious stones, male and female slaves, carriages and animals to ride, wagons and litters, gem adorned, well, obviously with slaves. This was a long, long time ago, okay? Servants, I think uh, we might say, to be kind. They give all these alms with joy. So in other words, those who have wealth and opportunity share it to support the monks, yes? Who give precious four-horse carriages with railed seats and ornate covers and other adorned vehicles as alms. Still... It's almost annoying how materialistic this is, right? So you can see the mindset of these bodhisattvas, as accomplished and educated as they are, still resorting to materialistic um, definitions of uh, almsgiving, yeah? Also, I see bodhisattvas who give their own flesh, hands and feet, and their wives and children as alms to seek after the supreme way. Really? Really? Well, you could say that somebody who, as we've already read, foregoes the household life and leaves to sojourn as a monk in uh, in the community of monks, the Sangha. So Sangha is different now, but back then, there was a relinquishing of one's family duties to pursue enlightenment, right? That's sort of a giving of. Again, I see bodhisattvas who give their own heads, eyes, and bodies cheerfully and gladly as alms to seek after the wisdom of the Buddha. Really? Do they really reach into their head and unscrew their eyeballs? And here, I love you. Of course not. can't take this literally. It's about a level of determination, a level of commitment, confidence, resolve, Yeah, that's what we're talking about here. In fact, I have a note here. Much is made of the pleasure-seeking humans working incessantly to the satisfaction of the skandhas. Right? We got to pleasure those senses. Eyes, ears, tongue, taste, right? Sensations. This is the earthly desires as captured through the five senses of vision, sound, taste, smell, and touch. These lists of offerings are therefore a statement of release or a revulsion from those tendencies replaced by a devout attention to the teachings of the mind of buddha found another typo wow finding a bunch today manjusri i see many kings who go to visit the buddhas to ask about the supreme way and then abandon their pleasant lands palaces ministers, and concubines, and shaving beard and hair, put on the robes of the law. By the way, if you didn't know what, uh, shaving the, the hair, beard, all of that, um, it, it has many subtle meanings, but the general meaning is simply uh, being another attachment, not worrying about one's appearance, not contorting one's, because for men and women, hair is a great aesthetic thing, and usually aesthetic ultimately for the purposes of sex, attractiveness, mates, procreating, right? And if we haven't learned anything yet about Buddhism, this is one of the fundamental things that had to be railed against in order to get the monkeys out of our minds. Because whether you admit it or not, we are procreative beings. The species wouldn't exist without it, without that drive, yes? So if you're going to get to the center of your mind of Buddha, then one of the strongest attachments we have is with this physical body identification. And how do we hone that identification? Through our possessions and our aesthetics. So shave your head, take all your facial hair off be naked as it were as just a being would be a logical first step to reinforce that you're doing this daily right now i don't follow that uh as you've seen uh with such fervor anymore um i do it i I do it because for many reasons um but I was shaving my head and face long before I started being an avid or a, 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 a daily, day-to-day, uh, taking-my-vows Buddhist. But I like it. I like being shaved. And then sometimes, um, you know, with my neck injury and stuff, I find it's too much of a bother, so I just let it grow. I, I'm not attached to the aesthetics. If that is problem problematic for you uh, let me know in the comments if you feel like you must say something about it but that's what the that's why it's in the text here to identify this revulsion this moving away from a saha world and samseric attachments or presentations right or just practicing the law put on robes of the law right I see many kings who go to visit the Buddhas to ask about the supreme way and then abandon their pleasant way, right? all the same things. I see also bodhisattvas who become bhikshus, living alone in seclusion and quiet and take their joy in reciting sutras. That would be the Prachaka Buddha practice, right? Uh, practice of isolation. But this is pre-Lotus bodhisattva. Do you, you understand why I say that? Because in the lotus, to be a bodhisattva and be isolated isn't really a bodhisattva. The purpose of a bodhisattva is to save all sentient beings. I said save. To liberate all sentient beings, right? To teach others how to accomplish the way. You can't do that in isolation. So there is quite a difference between the lesser vehicles, the three lesser vehicles, and the new one great vehicle of the lotus sutra. Those bodhisattvas are not the same. All right, continuing. And I see bodhisattvas who in their zeal and earnestness enter the depths of the mountains to ponder the Buddha way. Again, Pratyaka Buddhas. I see also those who, renouncing all desires, constantly dwell in the seclusion of the wilds profoundly to practice meditation and obtain the five transcendental uh, faculties. Further, I see bodhisattvas peacefully meditating with folded hands and in myriads of stanzas extolling the kings of the law. That's more to the purpose of a lotus bodhisattva, right? Teaching. Again, I see bodhisattva profound in wisdom, firm in will, able to question the Buddhas and receive and retain all that they hear. And I see Buddha-sons perfect in meditation and wisdom with innumerable illustrations proclaiming the law for the multitude, cheerfully and gladly teaching the law to transform bodhisattvas and to and destroying the army of Mara. Strike the drum of the law. I see also bodhisattvas calm in perfect meditation who, though honored by universal realms of influence and dragons, count on it not as a joy. Again, I see Bodhisattvas who dwelling in forests emit radiance that saves, that emancipates the sufferers in hell and causes them to enter the Buddha way. I see also Buddha sons who on sleeping walk about in the forest diligently seeking the Buddha way. Further, I see perfect observers of the comportments in strictness without flaw pure as precious jewels, who thereby seek the Buddha way. And I see Buddha sons who, abiding in the power of perseverance, though men of utmost arrogance, hate, abuse, and beat them, are able to endure all of these in order to seek the Buddha way. I see also bodhisattvas who leave all play and laughter and all foolish companions, who seek association with the wise, and with all their mind, get rid of distraction, concentrating their thoughts in mountain forests for myriads of codas of years to seek the the way. Or, I see bodhisattvas who bestow (laughs) edibles, in today's parlance, (laughs) that would mean something else, wouldn't it? Who bestow edibles, dainties, drink and food, and all kinds of medicaments, on Buddhas and monks as alms, who give famous clothes and superior garments worth thousands and myriads, or clothes of priceless value to Buddhas and monks as alms. In other words, shows of dedication and respect and assistance take all forms, from opulent to... What, what was that story in the sutra... The, the child makes a mud pie for the Buddha, and it's accepted as a great gift. It is a great gift. It's attitude and intent, you see? It's not the value that's important, the value monetarily. It's the value in sense, in in attitude and intent that is everything. Who give myriad of codas of kinds of precious buildings built of sandalwood with all sorts of wonderful bed furniture to Buddhas and monks as alms. Who give immaculate gardens abounding with flowers and fruits with flowing springs and bathing pools to Buddhas and monks as alms. How does he see all of this, by the way? Right? That ray of light. That ray of a Buddha lands. If you could all see these Buddha lands and these practicants these practitioners of the law and the behaviors, the op, the, the, not the opulence of it so much as the, the opulence, I, I meant to say, in the experience, the magnificence of this optional world view. Who give alms like these every kind, most wonderful, joyfully, without grudging, Oh, gosh, I got to give that. No, that's not the spirit, the attitude and intent. Seeking after the supreme way. Always, every step taken here is to attain Buddhahood. What else is there? Everything else is just the Saha world. And that's cool and all. We need that. The whole roller coaster of life, very important because it is that very roller coaster that lets us experience karma, the engine of life. What we do with it, how we experience it, attitude and intent about it is everything. It's everything. It's our purpose, if you need to call it out for a purpose. Also, I see bodhisattvas who observe that the nature of all laws is not in two opposing forms, but like space, right? It's not existence, non-existence. Those are words to try to identify something in the middle, something happening, not happened or going to happen, not clinging or craving, right here, happening now. Mm-hmm. Don't call it living in the now because that's already over. Be in the flow, be in the momentum of the engine of life. That's different, that's a different kind of awareness. Yeah, Manjushri. There are also bodhisattvas who, after the extinction of Buddhas, pay homage to their relics. Also, I see Buddha sons who build numerous stupas innumerable as the sands of the Ganges, splendidly adorn the domains, precious stupas of height most wonderful, 5,000 Yohannas, their height and breadth proportionate 2,000 Yohannas around. Each of those stupas has thousands of banners and flags, curtains decorated with jewels, and precious bells harmoniously sounding, universal realms of influence, dragons and other spirits, Human beings and beings not human with perfumes, flowers, and music are always paying homage to them. Manjushri. By the way, reading all of these things, it might sound as though, like, why have relics a stupa? Isn't that clinging to the past and craving into the future? If that's the way you look at it, yeah, you're right. But if instead... You look at it as a place, a location, which is always moving. Remember, points, points are not things. Points are locations, and our locations of everything in the universe is constantly moving at very, very fast pace, I might add. We are momentum itself, Hmm? conscious momentum. Wrap your head around that. Then these stupas, like that butsadon behind me, are a location where enlightenment occurs. Moment to moment to moment to moment to moment. You see the paradigm shift? It, the paradigm shift is in every moment. The, 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 the moment that you slip from that and start to see material placement, you, you just got off the momentum, you got off the, the bullet train, and you're left at a station looking around going, mm, now what? Hmm? All the Buddha sons, for revering the relics, so splendidly adorned the stupas, that all the domains are thereby made extraordinarily wonderful and fine, like the king of celestial trees in full bloom. You see the shifting time reference in that, just that statement? The Buddha sends forth but a single ray, and I, with all the assembly, see that these domains are extraordinarily wonderful. So, this ray of light, this Think of it as illumination. Hmm? Everybody has this illumination in order that they see, quote unquote, in their minds. What the world could be experienced like. This paradigm shift. Yes. All the world is the same. It hasn't changed. But their view of it through illumination right what's my often used example of this going up in a packed attic in the dark and tripping over stuff putting your foot through the ceiling arg <laughs> oh there's the light switch think oh i see where everything is now the you know i know how wow i see whatever everything for what it is it's not a very good analogy i'll admit it's not as flowery as these Same idea, yeah? Rare are the transcendent powers and wisdom of the Buddhas. Sending forth a single pure ray, they illuminate innumerable domains. We behold this, attain that which has never been before. Son of Buddha, Manjushri, do you resolve all their doubts? All of the four groups, joyfully expecting, gaze on thee. They gaze on you, O virtuous one, and on me. Why has the world-honored one emitted such a ray of light? Son of Buddha, now give answer. Remove our doubts and make us glad. Because all of this enlightenment is a little bit confusing. Most of us thought we were much closer to our aim in life than this would indicate we're still a ways from. Oh yes, you'll find out in the seventh chapter, but for now. For what abundant benefits has he spread such a ray of light? Seated on the wisdom throne, the wonderful law which he has obtained, does the Buddha now wish to teach it? Is he now going to prophecy? He he shows us all the Buddha lands, ornate and pure with precious things, and we see the Buddhas there. This is not for any trivial reason. No, Manjushri, all the four groups, the dragons and spirits, are gazing on and questioning you as to what you will say. Okay, so at that time... Manjushri spoke to Maitreya Bodhisattva, Mahasattva and all the other leaders. Should I start into it now or wait till the next video? We'll go a little ways because that was quite a build-up, wasn't it? All good sons and daughters, Manjushri says. According to my consideration, the Buddha, the world-honored one, is now intending to teach the great Law To pour the rain of the great law, to blow the conch of the great law, to beat the drum of the great law, and to expound the meaning of the great law. That's why he's in samadhi right now. Hmm? All you good sons and daughters, whenever from any of the former Buddhas I have seen this auspice, after emitting such a ray, They have thereupon taught the great law. Because of this, know you that now the Buddha, having displayed this ray in like manner, intends to cause all creatures to hear and know the law, which all the worlds will find hard to accept. That is why he displays this auspicious sign. Because if he didn't give you a taste of it, you'd probably stop listening. Because you wouldn't think yourself capable of such a thing. But now I've given you a glimpse. Ah, you are capable. Look, you can see it. So now let me tell you how to establish that. All good sons and daughters in time of long ago, infinite, boundless, inconceivable, asamkaya, kalpas ago, there then was a Buddha styled sun, moon, light, tathagata. Revered, all-wise, perfectly enlightened in conduct, well-departed, understander of the world's, peerless leader, controller, teacher of universal realms of influence and men, Buddha, world-honored one, he proclaimed the right law, which is good at its commencement, good in its middle, and good at the end, which is profound in its meaning, subtle in its terms, pure and adulterated, perfect, flawless, and noble in practice. For those who sought to be shravakas, he taught response to the law of the four noble truths. For the ceasing of cravings and clinging of birth, old age, disease, and death, and finally leading to nirvana. For those who sought pratyaka buddhahood, he taught response to the law of the twelve causes, the twelve link causal chain, or nidana, right? For the bodhisattvas, he taught response to the six paramitas, That's the the three vehicles, bodhisattvas, not the lotus bodhisattvas. To cause them to attain perfect enlightenment and to accomplish perfect knowledge. Remember perfection of wisdom? Next again, there was a Buddha, also named sun, moonlight. And again, a Buddha, also named sun, moonlight. And in like manner... There were twenty thousand Buddhas all bearing the same name Sun Moonlight and the same surname Baradavada. Ja. Now uh, no, Maitreya, all these Buddhas from the first to the last bore the same name sun moonlight and perfectly possessed the ten titles, the epithets of Buddha, yeah? Is this not another indication that this is a universal instantiation of Buddha? In human form or in personage form. The law which they should teach was good at its at commencement, in its middle, and at the end. Before the last of these Buddhas left his home, he had eight royal sons. The first was named Possessing the Will, the second named Excellent Will, the third named Infinite Will or volition. The fourth named Precious Will. The fifth named Increasing Will. The sixth named Non-Doubting Will. And the seventh named Echoed Will. While the eighth was named The Law Will. So if you're not getting it, the message is perseverance, yes? These eight princes in their honorable estate were independent, each having dominion over four continents. All these princes hearing that their father had left his home and attained perfect enlightenment renounced the royal position and following him left home resolute on the great vehicle they constantly practiced noble deeds and all became teachers of the law having planted all roots of goodness under thousands of myriads of buddhas at that time the buddha sun moonlight one of them taught the great vehicle sutra called innumerable meanings which we know is the lotus sutra yes the law by which bodhisattvas are instructed and which the buddhas watch over and keep in mind having taught this sutra he at once admits the great amidst the great assembly sat cross-legged and entered the meditation of the station of innumerable meanings in which his body and mind were motionless at this moment, the sky reigned Mandarava, Mahamandarava, Manjushaka, and Mahamandjushaka flowers over the Buddha and all the great assembly, while the universal Buddha world shook in six ways. Man, I wish I could make flowers fall from the sky. <laughs> then, in the congregation, bhikshus, bhikshunis, upasakas, upasikas, universal realms of influence, dragons, yakshas, gandharas, You know the whole list. Wheel-rolling kings. All of this assembly obtained that which had never been before, with joy and folded hands, and with one mind, looked up to Shakyamuni Buddha, or the Buddha. Sorry, it does say the Buddha. Then the Tathagata sent forth, from the circle of white hair between his eyebrows, a ray of light, which illuminated 18,000 Buddha-lands in the eastern quarter, so that there was nowhere it did not reach, just like all these Buddha-lands which now are seen. No, Maitreya, at that time, in the assembly, there were twenty codas of bodhisattvas, beholding this ray of light, illuminating the Buddha-lands universally, and obtaining that which they had never had before. Desired, To know the cause and reasons for that ray. This sounds like a flashback. Then there was a Bodhisattva named A Priori Light. Who had 800 disciples. And if you haven't looked it up yet. A Priori comes from Latin. Meaning the. I don't want to mess up the definition. But it is the. The initial premise. There are many ways to interpret this. I encourage you to look it up on your own. But this is the beginning of beginning. Yes? All these bodhisattvas beholding this ray of light, illuminating the Buddha lands universally, right? When the Buddha sun-moon light arose from his contemplation, he taught by means of the bodhisattva a priori light, the great vehicle sutra called... The, Dharma, the Lotus Dharma Sutra of the Wonderful Law, by which bodhisattvas are instructed and by which Buddhas watch over and keep in mind. During 60 major, minor kalpas, he rose not from his seat, and during 60, uh, these 60 minor kalpas, he uh, his hearers, or shavakas, in that assembly remained seated in their places, motionless in body and mind, listening, to the Buddha's teaching and deeming it but the length of a meal. During that time, there was no one in the assembly who felt fatigue in either body or mind. So here's that time compression thing again, right? That the voluminous knowledge he's sharing would fill many, many eons of time with their profundity and their depth, yes? But for those who were enthralled to hear of this amazing teaching, it seemed like it took 15 minutes, like a lunch break. Right? How we experience time. The picket fence analogy, right? The Buddha Sun Moonlight for 60 minor kalpas having taught this sutra had once proclaimed these words to the host of of Brahmas, Maras, Sharam, uh, Shramanas, Brahmins, universal realms of influence, men's and asuras. Tonight at midnight, will the Tathagata enter the Nirvana of no remains, Parinirvana? Thereupon, there was a Bodhisattva named Virtue Treasury. Right? On the right. Yeah. The Buddha Sun Moonlight then spoke to all the bhikkhus, foretelling thus. This Bodhisattva virtue treasury will become the next Buddha and his name will be Pure Body Tathagata Well Gone Samyak Sambulai. And on that note, yeah, this is long enough. I don't want to make these videos too long. Trying not to anyway. And we'll continue in the next paragraph in the next video. Okay? Thank you for listening, thank you for being here, thank you for your practice. If you can, take it just a few seconds, like and subscribe, right? Both of those are hugely beneficial for spreading, propagating this resource, which is not just these videos, you can see all the links in the description to the website, the bookstore, so on and so forth. And uh, to Patreon, and um, I believe there's a link to Straight to PayPal. Uh, Those of you who are patrons, uh, monthly supporting this effort, Namo and Geiko. You are examples of Bodhisattva universally worthy. Yeah? Which is what wraps up the Lotus Sutra. So, you guys are invaluable. Which means it can't be calculated how valuable you are. All right. thanks for Thanks for being here. Thanks for your practice. And in that regard, please take care of your health. Do everything you can to be situationally aware, so you're not caught off guard, in life, I mean. And all of this will help keep your practice strong, savor it. And I'll see you in the next one. Definitely. I'm enjoying this. I hope you are too. Uh, And if there's anything uh, that I'm leaving up in the air or that you need clarification on, don't hesitate to either put it in the comments or send me an email personally. Right. There's so many videos on this channel, even if you use the little search for this channel only, the little magnifying glass in the middle of the page there, uh, off to one side, but in the middle, top to bottom. Not the top search, because that goes all over YouTube, but I've got uh, over 1,500 videos on this channel, so it could take a while. Um, but use some keywords, and it'll draw up you know three videos, ten videos, whatever, and you can pick and choose which ones you think might relate to your questions uses. It's kind of like a big encyclopedia with videos. Yeah. But uh, sometimes um, that's how I answer your questions. I just go do the search myself and I pick one that I think, or two or three that I think address your question and I'll just send you the links. I'm not being lazy. I'm just saying, I can give you a link to information that's specific to what you're asking without having to reinvent the wheel, right? And to help you navigate this resource. Don't forget about the website. All right, I've said enough. (laughs) Bye for now.